Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome to the kitchen table. Welcome to the holiday season. If you're like me, you might be bustling around right now trying to finish the lists and create the events and decorate and all of the things. And I want to encourage you in this season, and we're going to do our best here at When God Breaks Through, to help you set your mind on the truth of the gospel in this season so that you can be discerning about when things are not gospel-centered, when they're not about Jesus. And you can be discerning and you can see those places and you don't get caught up in it, sucked in, or, or usually for me, then discouraged and feel like I'm missing the mark or not hitting things well or whatever. So we're going to do our best over the next few weeks to help you walk in a way that teaches you the gospel truth for this Christmas season, encourages you to be and to understand your calling as a warrior mom, that you are standing on a battlefield with your child and for your child as well as for yourself. I want to tell you a story today. And we're going to talk about it, about how we can be warrior mamas about the gospel in this season when we're actually surrounded by quite a number of lies that want to deny gospel truth. I was shopping with Caroline. So she is our nine-year-old now. And this was when she was four. And we have a a way that we help our little people earn money in the Christmas season before they're old enough to have a job. And what we do is over the course of the summer and into the fall, they are encouraged to read. And for every book that they read, they are going to get paid a little bit of money. Not a lot of money, but a little bit of money for every book. They record their books on a sheet of paper and um, and we pay them a dollar Or if it's a really hard book, I may pay a little bit more, especially for my older kids if they're reading something I'm asking them to read. But we give them a little bit of money. And then they get paid for their reading right here at Christmas time. And the encouragement for them is, you know, this could be your Christmas money that you can spend on everybody in the family. And so that has become tradition in our home. And so we were shopping with her reading money. And in, yes, she was just four. It counts if I read with her. So it counts. So she had her money. She had a little pocket full of money and we were gross, uh, not grocery shopping. We're Christmas shopping. And she was just chattering with me in the buggy and we were um, going through the store and a woman came up to us and she 
you know, uh, didn't know us. She, I think she just was drawn in because Caroline was cute and being all animated. And she just bent down as people do at the Christmas season. And she asked some classic questions of Caroline that we hear all the time. And maybe we've even said, um, she asked Caroline, have you been good this year? Are you excited about what Santa Claus is going to bring you? And then Caroline paused and looked at her and the woman goes, you know, if you're, if you're good, he brings you lots of good things. And Caroline, I could see it in her eyes. She didn't know how to answer that woman. And, uh, you know, in that moment, it wasn't anything. And so I just kind of laughed and scooped up Caroline and said, yes, we're, we're looking for Christmas presents for all of her brothers and sisters. Have a Merry Christmas. And we were on our way. But I want to talk about that today, that conversation, that little snippet of language that was given to a four-year-old and why it is absolutely a lie and not gospel-centered and why we as moms who are seeking to stand in the gospel and then pivot our children to Jesus to help them understand that every part of their life is answered by Jesus, how we need to actually in those moments stand very strong and hold very tightly to the gospel. For some of you, you may feel like, oh, Bethany, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. It's just culturally part of what we do. And yet I'm going to challenge you and we're going to spend some time today in the word because I want you to see that I don't, I don't think I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. I think I am looking at one of the chief lies of an enemy who desires to take our kids out. And he's going to use one of our holy days and just seed lies into the underbelly of our children's hearts. If we're not careful and vigilant, in our conversations, not just when they're young. So I'm going to give you some questions you can ask your children now if they're young that will help you see, oh, what what do they see about this? What do what are they taking in from culture? Then I'm going to actually also give you the questions that you can ask your 10, 12, 15 and 18-year-olds as you're just driving in the car that are not about Santa Claus but will also help you see and expose Oh, what do they see and believe and what is it rooted in? Okay, so let's look at what the lie is culturally that this lady, she thought she was being, you know, she was enjoying a little child and she just wanted to talk to a little, little one. I don't fault her at all. But remember, we want to be women who are warrior-like, understanding that we fall behind, we walk in victory behind a king who has conquered it all, but he calls us to stand in his truth. So what is the lie? What is being said by that woman who bent down and said, have you been good this year so Santa Claus will bring you lots of gifts? What is the lie that has snuck in to our holy Christmas day? Well, what is Christmas? We have to go back, right? We have to understand clearly what Christmas is all about. Well, what Christmas is all about, and I know this is review. At the same time, I want to I talk about it. 
what is Christmas about? Well, Christmas is celebrated because Jesus came as a baby with one purpose in mind. And that one purpose was he was Emmanuel, which means God with us. God come to earth in man form. He gave up all of his divinity in terms of the power and the honor and the glory that he forever is given all day, every day in heaven to take on this humble form of man. And while he is fully God, he has now become man. And what we know in Philippians 2 is that he chose to humble himself. Why? Humble himself all the way to death on a cross. That's what Philippians 2 says for us. So that we might be saved And so that ultimately everybody would know who God is and would fall in worship and be in relationship. And that we as believers can have right relationship with God even now. That's our special present. The special present of Christmas is that he would make a way for you to have relationship with God, have peace in your life and have hope that you would one day live with him forever. That, that's, that's why we celebrate Christmas. So isn't it interesting? It is a gift that is given to us. So what is the lie that is snuck in? Well, there's several, but the main lie that's snuck in is that your performance has something to do with your receiving of a gift. That if you are good, you get gifts from Santa Claus. And yes, we can argue all day of who Santa Claus is and who he was in terms of history. And I'm not really that concerned about Santa Claus. Um, you can ask my kids and my family. We we have Santa Clauses on our tree and we watch Santa Claus movies. And this isn't an anti-Santa Claus podcast. But Santa Claus is a fantasy in the same way that any Disney movie is a fantasy. And that's what my kids know. And it's just fun, but there is someone who is divine that we worship on Christmas. And then there is fun that is the, all the elf movies and snowman movies and Santa Claus movies. And one will not steal the glory of the other. But what I want you to hear is this, is culturally we have embraced that there is a being and this is what a lot of our kids hear whether you say well my kid doesn't believe in Santa Claus or not understand this that what has happened and what the enemy has done is he said okay well we're going to make this being this Santa Claus be a divine being who knows everything so he's omnipotent so he's stolen characteristics of god because he knows or he's omniscient not omnipotent he's omniscient he knows if you've been good or bad and he's marking it down checking it twice (laughs) and if you're good you get rewarded but if you're bad you get a lump of coal in your stocking right so your performance matters to your reward what is the gospel The gospel says that your performance is not part of the equation at all, that your goodness or your naughtiness does not factor into God's love for you. So in this season of the year where everyone is telling our little ones these stories and having them write Santa lists to this omniscient Santa who's checking if they're good or bad, 
like we need to stand apart from that and begin to speak into our children and and begin to put their feet down in on the solid ground that says God knows everything about you everything about you and he loves you right there he knows everything you want he knows everything you need he knows everything about how you behave He knows everything about how you speak to your brother when I'm not around or how you think in your head when nobody can know what you're thinking. Like God knows it all and he loves you there. And we do this work by digging into scriptures with our kids and helping them see here at Christmas, Jesus was thinking about you when he came as a baby. He was doing a work for you and for me that is so hard to believe and so magnificent in its grace and its love for us. And we want to plant down into their thought process those seeds of truth because we need to combat honestly an evil that works to undermine that truth in those kinds of questions of, are you good this year? Because the truth is, Caroline in that grocery store, and the reason her face kind of fell when that lady said, have you been good? Because if you've been good, Santa Claus will bring you lots of presents. She knew. She knew as a four-year-old that there were spots of her that were not, quote, good. She probably was thinking about maybe that morning she'd been whiny or fussy or argued with her brother or had a temper I mean, like she knew. You know, we're aware that we are lacking. But the gospel says your state of good and your behavior does not factor into being his beloved child. Your identity is not declared by what you do. It is declared by whose you are. No performance needed. You get to mess up. You get to sin. He doesn't leave you in your sin. He leads you to repentance and offers you forgiveness. So we may feel sad because we've sinned and we repent and we turn away and we're given forgiveness, but we don't have to be afraid or worry that God will take us off of any list because he has declared us his and he loves us no matter what. How do I know this? Ephesians 2 is one of those passages that my kids memorize. Um, Another Christmas tradition that we do is every child coming into Christmas Day is given a passage of Scripture to work on, and they're different. Everybody has a different passage of Scripture. Some are long. If you're older, you get more. (laughs) If you're younger, they're less. And you know, though, that you come to Christmas morning with your passage of scripture memorized or mostly memorized. Most of us have come to Christmas morning a little bit, you know, word stumbling over some of our words and that's okay. It's not so much, again, perfection desired. It is, let us learn what the word says about Jesus and the gospel in this season. And what is beautiful when you have lots of kids and lots of people are memorizing passages is that you begin to see this red thread of grace and love as everybody begins to recite, you know, from Isaiah passages and Psalm passages and 
um, some Matthew and Luke 2, and then we do, somebody oftentimes will do Philippians 2, and then Ephesians 2, and these passages come alive because they speak of the grace of God that gives us forgiveness and gives us identity long before we ever, ever could possibly have deserved it. And one of those passages that my kids will memorize is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. So what does it say about this? You are his and he loves you no matter what. How do we know? How do I know as a mom that God's not saying, Bethany, if you're a good mom, then I will work on your behalf. If you're a good mom, then you will get good kids. Like that would be the reward, right? Which is the thought of today. Understand if you think that it is that same Christmas thought, that same Santa Claus thought. That if I do good, then I will get good. And we need to understand we are we are a good God's child. And he is at work on our behalf. And it's way different. It has nothing to do with what we do. But here it is. It says, but God. So this it says, you're dead in your trespass and sin. You have nothing. You bring nothing to the table. Verses 1 through 3 say that. But verse 4 says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Speaking into your children in this season, that God loves them in the middle of their most awful moment is the most precious Christmas present you can give your child. There are going to be many Christmas meltdowns with your little ones. They're overstimulated, they're oversugared, and Oftentimes they have bigger expectations than what comes to pass and they melt down and they get ugly and they get whiny and they get rude and all the things. And if you can remember Ephesians 2, 4 in that moment and bend down to that little temper tantruming child and as they begin to calm down and they begin to even feel regret, far better than a scolding is to speak into their ear. I want you to know that God loves you right in the middle of that temper tantrum, that fit you just threw. He loves you right there. He loves you so much in that moment. That's why Jesus came for Christmas. It's because he knew that you were going to throw a fit and you were going to lose your mind and you were going to be selfish or rude or disobedient or whatever it was. And he loves you in the middle of that. And I want you to know that. You see, that's a Christmas present. That's a Christmas message to give to your child, that there's no list that God is checking off to make sure that they do enough to earn a Christmas present of Jesus. There is no ability that they have. And if, if, and remember scripture says, if, if we offer anything to the equation, then Christ came for nothing. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have to come if we are part of it. But then later on, down here, it says in verse 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, at Christmas, we celebrate the gift of Jesus. We learn about his birth. We learn about his names. We sing all these songs to celebrate him. We give gifts to one another. But the, the reality is, 
Jesus is a gift that was given for all of us in the midst of our great naughtiness. And so what I usually will say to my little ones when I'm talking with them, and I'll say, do you think you've been good? And then here's the second question. Do you think you need to be good for God to love you? It will expose how much of a works ideology they already have taken in. And it may break your heart, mama, but you will know the playing field on which you're doing battle. You will know. You will know how much of the lies of the enemy have seeped into that child's days. And you will be able to go in that moment, oh, because more than likely that child will say, yeah, I think I do need to be good for God to love me. Another great question. This is a great question to ask your older kids. Do you think when you are uh, disrespectful to me or disobedient or, you know, use an example they've done in the last six months, you're driving in the car and it's just a time say, Hey, I was wondering, Hey, do you think that like when you're disobedient with me and, and you back talked me and remember that time and, you know, I took your phone away and I did whatever. Do you think God's angry with you there? Does God get mad at you for that? Does that make God want to turn away from you? Because what I want you to understand is when you ask those questions and give them space to actually give answers, you're going to see what they believe about God right there. And the truth is when I asked my kids that, my oldest kids that, The answers were, yeah, God's mad. Yeah, God turns away. He rejects. And you know where I think they got that? I think they got that because I did that. I didn't understand the gospel fully. I wasn't mothering from a place of grace, calling them to righteousness, but offering them grace. You see, but God, but God says his kindness leads to repentance. And there's a difference, and we want to speak into our children, whether they're young, and they just need to understand, listen, there is no good or bad. There's Jesus, and he loves you in the middle of your your naughty. He loves mommy in the middle of my messy naughtiness. But if they're older, we want to do the work of saying to them, let me, let's begin to actually see what the Bible says about what God says about you and me and how he responds to our sin. When we are his people, he will discipline, but discipline and condemnation are radically different. Discipline and rejection are completely not the same. But when your children exposed to you that they believe that God can act in rejection or he can act in condemnation or he can act in anger and and all that. We need to be able to know the word and speak the word to our kids and teach them what the heart of the gospel is, which means we need to know it. So really quickly, I'm going to look, I'm going to point you to several passages of scripture, walk you through an idea of how God sees us and what we can stand on so that we can know the truth of the gospel. So I'm just going to take a few. I'm not even, I mean, we could, 
do a lot of this and you can absolutely message me. And over in the Warrior Mama community, we work on this. We work on knowing the gospel. And if you want to join us there and be a part of that community, I would love to have you there where we learn how to put these conversations in place because they're part of now our being. And that's hard work. It's hard to learn the gospel and understand it so that you have eyes to see where the lies are. But this is a lie that you have to be good in order to win a reward. You you don't. And, and God is not up there with a checklist making sure his people are behaving well. He will call, he will, he will call you, he, he will call you repentance, he will call you to righteous living, but he does not do it with rejection and condemnation on the back end of that. How do I know this? Well, Romans 1, 7 starts it all off. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. So from the very beginning, as God's people, we are loved by him. And called to be saints, meaning he is speaking over us an identity that we are his set apart ones. It says, and then if we flip over just a page to Romans 3, it talks about who we are and how God is very well aware of our lack. Romans 3 Verses 9 through 12, it says, No one is righteous, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. No one does good, not even one. So God's not confused by our flesh space of who we are. And yet, jump down a little bit longer, lower in Romans 3, it says, But now the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe There is no distinction. All have sinned, all fallen short of the glory of God, but are justified by his grace as a gift. That is what God has done for us. He has given us a new identity and he has justified us by faith as a gift. So that changes everything. So then what happens? Well, because of that, then in Romans 5, it says that because I've been justified by faith, I have peace with God. You and I have peace with God. And talking with your teenagers about peace with God is a critical conversation. And not only have that have, has that happened, that we have peace with God, but then we rejoice in the hope of his glory. He is working all things for his glory, and we can rejoice in that. And then in Romans 8, no condemnation. The Spirit helps us. We're more than conquerors. That's all through Romans 8. And that nothing, nothing will separate us. Nothing will separate us from the love of God for us. You see, we need to ground our kids in the truth in this season. And we need to be fierce in letting them understand how important it is. In our home My children will have gifts under the Christmas tree, whether they've been good or bad. Why? Because they are mine. They're mine. Their identity is a Kimsey. And because of my love for them, that no matter what, they will receive presents. It is a terrible, like, uh, picture of God's massive unconditional love. Like, I I won't do it well. I'll get totally in the flesh if they do misbehave. But there will still be gifts under the tree for them because they are mine. 
Your presents are there because you belong to a family and you are richly blessed with gifts given in great grace. And it is just a little picture of the depth of the gospel at Christmas time. You see, as believers, we cannot, moms, we cannot sit by and let this culture dictate and change this holy day. We can't let our little young children get sucked into this belief system that their behavior equates with more presence. And we want to be very careful that as our kids age, that they are actually understanding that the God on high loves them and is for them, is working on their behalf, calling them to repentance, calling them into relationship with him and offering and extending forgiveness. And he already knows the depths of their depravity. You see, when we allow questions of goodness and performance and behavior to be part of the equation, like as if they're benign, just they don't really impact anything, we are absolutely miscounting the fact that the lie from the pit of an enemy who is after us is you can do your own saving. You are part of the equation and God doesn't really do what he says he's going to do. There's no performance needed for the greatest gift ever given. And we want to be really careful that we speak that in truth to our kids in these days and that we live it. Next week, we're going to talk about what does that mean for you and me as moms? How do we get sucked into this idea of creating a Christmas holiday, a Christmas event. But for today, what I want you to know is I want my children's heart to sing that God's gift of Jesus is their greatest gift. And I know that you want that too. And part of the work of helping them and escorting them to that greatest gift is speaking the words of the gospel to them. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.